no more odd reactions to the injections in your butt. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah. Well, could be worse. You could have passed out in Walgreens again. That is very true. That seems like an experience best to have just once in life. <laughs> it's just to say you've done it. You know, not, not, not some for a repeat performance. Typically, if I like to pass out, it's after being roofied. Yeah. And I'm getting okay. up in the ages, so that doesn't happen as often as I'd like. Mm. <laughs> you clearly are not finding yourself in the bad situations you're used to. I guess it's not the same when you, like, ask someone to roofie you. I assume the spontaneity of it's kind of a thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of hard. I have to go to the clubs just swapping other people's drinks, hoping that somebody's got one in it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's the that's the only problem about the rape gang game is it, it's just a hard to it's hard, hard to gangs. play. <laughs> They're on completely failed colonies. It's just hard. It's hard to play that game because if you want to play, then you automatically lose. There should be a lore version of me that knows how to roofie me. Oh my god, <laughs> Mickey! I hate to break this to you, but I'm pretty sure you are the lore version of you. Yeah, there's somewhere a good out Mickey there is the data version of Mickey that you need to go roofie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah and I promise you that version of Hey Mickey is the most boring person on the planet probably yeah just always will uh, tell you what uh, Mariposa is Spanish for I believe that's butterfly I really don't see how that's relevant so in the Spanish dub of Digimon do you think they actually called the opening song Mariposa Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> God damn it, now it's in my head. <laughs> but was the Spanish dub based on the Fox Kids edit? Well, the English dub, or was it... Uh... So I know the um, Spanish dub of Frontier used the translation of the Japanese opening. I want to say that somewhere in South America got a translation of Butterfly. Like Brazil, maybe? That'd be Portuguese, then. So what's um, what's <laughs> Portuguese for Butterfly? Something's like close but dumb, like Mariposa or something. <laughs> Mariposa. Yeah. Like close, but not quite enough. Just enough for it to be wrong. It sounds like Spanish, but with more deforestation. Oh. <laughs> okay, so we're a little bit off here. I just looked it up. So, butterfly in Portuguese. <laughs> Borboleta. Yeah, see? <laughs> Bullshit. What a stupid language. <laughs> be Latin-based like you're supposed to be. Right. Yeah, that's certainly a word. Wasn't that yeah. a pirate in the Caribbean movies? It is funny how we knew it was going to be stupid, though. Yeah. Like, none of us are fluent in Portuguese, but we know enough about Portuguese to make that, you know, general right. assumption. Yeah, the, the general concept behind Portuguese we get. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, it's like Spanish, but stupid. It's, it's kind of like Dutch. Like, you can assume any word in Dutch is probably going to sound stupid. Right, yeah. It doesn't like what choose. Yeah, yeah, it's like German, but with like a yeah in it. German's the best language because, like, no matter what you say in German, you sound angry. 
Mm-hmm. It's a romance language. Uh-huh. <laughs> Angry fucking. <laughs> du hast mich. Du, du hast. Du hast mich. Oh, Scott, taking us back to 1998 all over again. <laughs> when we were young and pretty. Well, well young. I refuse young. to believe either of you were ever young. <laughs> you believe we were pretty, just not young. All right, I'll take it. We had that classic Sharon Stone look. Right. I thought I thought you were getting to that with Cher. I thought that's where you were going. <laughs> I was surprised when you went, oh, run Stone. Well, I was thinking of Catwoman, so, you know. You're always thinking of Catwoman. <laughs> I am. I mean, like, any given moment. Hey, Cat, what are you thinking of? Catwoman. Buleen. <laughs> it turns your skin into living marble. Oh, God. <laughs> It's a superhero movie about fighting evil cosmetics. Right it's up the your best alley. thing. Wasn't that the um, the origin for Clayface in the animated series, though? Yes. Evil cosmetics. Mm-hmm. Scub, or whatever it was called. Yeah, but that wasn't like... I, it has ones on the tailgate. Does it really, Fort Max? Okay. Is it okay, Fort Max? <laughs> Just a sec. No! Where are you going? I demand answers. I think Fort Max is going to the minivan. Uh, is that a metaphor for taking a poop? <laughs> I was going to say. So speaking, okay. speaking of shit and minivans. I was, I was being asked about car stuff. So car stuff? Speaking of shit in minivans, yesterday for the first time I can remember, I saw a Toyota Privia in person, and that is the <laughs> ugliest piece of shit ever. Wait, I thought a Privia was like a uh, allergy medicine. No, it's an antacid. No, that's, but... no, that's prevacid, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pro, that's Prilosec, like Larry the Cable Guy, Prilosec. You had a goddamn handful of Prilosec, I'm Larry the Cable Guy. Prilosec sounds dirty for some reason. Like as a yes. We will do. We will strap you down to this board and allow the Prilosec to crawl into your nostrils and take over your body. I'm the Prilosec. <laughs> no, it's just like it's just like a, a title that a Star Trek character would have, instead of Captain or whatever. It's like James. <laughs> I'm I'm Prilosec Loctar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm Prilosec Loctar. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, of the Loctar Empire. It's just one of you. Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure Loctar's a He-Man character. <laughs> Has a big padlock for a torso. And yeah. face. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it, it's a combination lock for the torso and a padlock for the face. Yes. Right. And the padlock face basically just has two googly eyes on it. Yes. <laughs> Or no eyes, he'll just be the padlock version of Chairface Chippendale. <laughs> I'm starting to sound like uh, a Kanuku Man character now. <laughs> you can fight Dick Dick Von Dick. <laughs> dick Dicks are adorable. Have you ever seen a little Dick Dick? They're adorable. I have. They're terrifying, actually. You don't like them? Well, when you round a corner when you're on a walk through, you know, a park, and all of a sudden you're three feet away from Mother Dick Dick and the baby Dick Dick, <laughs> it's alarming. 
<laughs> for all involved. <laughs> and eventually both parties run in opposite directions. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, imagine how the dick dicks feel. They come around the corner and there's just a dick standing in front of them. <laughs> what are they doing in the park? <laughs> They're little deer. Where else would they be? Podcasts, the final frontier. These are the Star Trek episodes of the podcast Superhero Time. Our continuing mission? Explore old episodes of Star Trek, alienate even more listeners, and boldly plow your mom where no one has come before. Superhero Time presents that one episode of Star Trek. With Chris. Are there any of life's problems that can't be solved by setting someone else up to be murdered? Hey, Mickey! I just heard him screaming nutsack into the Xbox microphone in the other room, so I'm sorry, he's okay. Scott. I just love the way Leonard Nimoy moved his fingers. And Fort Max. Andy died of AIDS. So my favorite thing about this episode was... What's that? Was Picard sitting there bored out of his fucking mind watching TV? I know, right? Listening to an audiobook. <laughs> I want a, a gif of that. Of Picard just staring off, like tapping his fingers. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I love the fact how Troy's like, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> Have fun with all that. <laughs> Wait, did I watch the wrong episode? I watched the hotel episode. Well, the casino. Okay. Troy was in it. Yeah, well, Troy tapping out's kind of normal. (laughs) Just ask Riker. She can't handle it. And Worf. And that one entity of light that got her pregnant that she didn't stick with. Man, Troy's kind of a slut. Well, that, that... You know, light entity things well, kind of awkward because after it fucked her, it ended up being her son, and then yeah, well, you know, kind of hard to continue the relationship after that. Like mother, like daughter. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So this week on that one episode of Star Trek, we're talking about the Royale with you know, cheese. That, that child of light she had, she's lucky that she didn't drown it. <laughs> Ex- explain. Run with that. Because Troy's mom and Troy's older sister that drowned. Oh, yeah. See, I forgot about that. Yeah. Most people forget about that episode. Because it's from season seven. Wait, that is season seven? <laughs> well, this week we're talking about season two. The best season. That's not yeah. season one. I was going to say, like, didn't we go on at some length about this last week? I think we did. I, I think what we came to was the fact that, yeah, season two, because the writer strike was still going on, was like the leftovers of season one. So this is like the absolute bottom of the barrel. Well, this episode was pitched during season one of the original uh, of TOS? series. No, of TNG. Ah. Because this is the most original series episode I think I've ever seen. And yep. apparently, well, so- season one did have some very original series episodes. And this one outdoes them. <laughs> to the point like, oh, it's this thing from uh, the original series. 
specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, conceptually though, this is absolutely a TOS episode. Oh my gosh! Apparently, at an earlier point in the revisions, it was even more TOS than it actually is now. Like there were a lot of parallels to the uh, Chicago Gangster Planet episode. <laughs> Although Leonard Nimoy can wear some pinstripe. I mean, you know. That's true. Gonna throw, yeah, I'm going to throw that out there. Yeah, this episode was Okay, so I haven't seen this episode in probably 25 years since it first aired, but I remember being a kid watching this and it freaking me the hell out. And in rewatching, I kind of realized that, you know, subliminally at the time, it was the music and everything else. It was just creepy as shit. And then the, there's a dead body and it's all decayed and. Ugh. Like the like the like the bodies that pop out of the ground in Poltergeist, like the end of Poltergeist, or the ones that pop out around the corner at the Lake Winnie haunted house. Yeah, you know what? Go fuck yourself. Oh, <laughs> Yeesh. terrifying. All right, who's is... driving this car? All right, the Royale. The oh cheese. yes, <laughs> Royale with cheese. So. The crew was out there scanning planets, doing Starfleety things. <laughs> scanning planets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Jordy's up there at the science station just singing to himself, nasty, mm, nasty planets. <laughs> Don't mean a thing. <laughs> so, Mickey, why are they here scanning these planets? Oh, my God. Oh, the Klingon said Speak something. Well... First, because no one scanned them yet. <laughs> and that's what you do, first of all. Apparently the Klingons mentioned something about there's something weird on this planet here, but we're fucking off, not bothering with it. Well, no, what the Klingon said was, we found some de- we found some debris. We didn't cause debris, we found some debris. <laughs> you might want to go check it out. Honest, go- we didn't sit here for two hours shooting at the debris in orbit before we called you. <laughs> we're taking pot <laughs> shots at it. <laughs> It's like some of the dialogue later, if you just think about it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, we'll course, get there. We'll get there. Catch when I was ten years old or whatever. So this planet that Joy's looking at is just nasty. <laughs> Rocker's like, well, look at it some more and tell me what's going on. You know how nasty this planet is. Its surface temperature is below absolute zero. That's pretty that, cold. Yeah, that's very nasty. Yeah. It's also 72 billion years old. Yeah, so the so the, the pause on that screen is pretty fascinating, as, as XV is pointing out. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I didn't look at the math at all. I didn't actually, like, calculate any of that shit, but good on you. <laughs> no, I just listed it from memory alpha. Oh, okay. I wanted to see, so I was looking up to see if the aliens referenced later in the episode were ever used in anything again or alluded to. Um, it does not appear so, but in the process of that, I picked up those little bits of trivia, those those production errors. They're not even, like, named. No. Just, and they're okay with it. They're like, yep, oh well, I guess we'll never know, and they just fly off. All right, whatever. You know, they have the technology to create reality in bubbles on death planets, but yeah, whatever. It's fine. We'll just leave it here. Well, who knows where they where they, where they are by now? It's been what? 800 years? Maybe they're extinct. I think it's been 200 years, almost 300. They could still be extinct. Oh, yeah, they could be. I'm just saying it's like you think they'd want to stick around in like 
figure out how they did it or get the technology or I, I, I don't know, you know, be Starfleet officers. Fuck it. I don't care. This planet's nasty. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Riker goes to talk to Picard because he's tired of hearing about nasty planets. <laughs> That's as nasty as in Uranus. Ho-ho! And so it's time for Riker's second favorite thing, math. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Captain, what you thinking about? <laughs> math. Well, I'm thinking about Fermat's last theorem. It'll never be solved. Oh, wait, it was solved in 1994. Oopsie. <laughs> yes, a proof. A proof actually came out in 1994 for Matt's last theorem, which is before this episode aired. And it's fucking hilarious that they have it in the 23rd century that no one ever gave a proof of it. <laughs> well, you got to remember World War Three happened and they lost a lot of information. <laughs> yeah, including basic logic, apparently. All right. So Riker and Picard head on down to the transporter bay to meet up with potatoes and they're going to beam in some debris. Okay, so wait. Okay, hold on. Even 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 my wife at this point is going, "Well, this is fucking stupid." <laughs> so, let me get this straight. There's this debris that's unknown that has been destroyed orbiting this planet that the Klingons ran away from. So, let's just beam it on board and then go over and start touching it. No containment, no nothing. Okay. Well, the transporter filter all that stuff out. Yeah, sure. They use science. Oh god. <laughs> Apparently not Fermat's last theorem, though. Yeah, it's a fucking mystery. Who knows? So they beam the chunk of metal on there, and they hold it up. There's the American flag. Well, kind of. And NASA. No, Which they're them space folks. <laughs> yeah, so apparently the flag is 52 stars. That's interesting. Or is it? I can't tell anymore. It was just a factory error. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you get when you buy your fucking space capsules from Walmart. So after the theme song, we go to the meeting room. So let's discuss this chunk of metal we beamed on board. Well, we know when it's from. Uh, and it looks like it's been disintegrated by modern weapons. Fascinating. Hmm. Interesting. And the Klingons were just here, you say. <laughs> right. Who just found this debris. <laughs> So my theory huh. is that there was a whole intact spaceship up there in orbit. The Klingons happened by and saw it and just started shooting at it. And then, you know, when they got bored with that, they called the Federation. Yes. Yeah, and I'm they probably got bored very quick because it didn't fire back. Yeah. Well, see, I, I think it's kind of like the thing where you find somebody's wallet. So you take out all the cash and then you call the person. Go, hey, I found your wallet. Yeah, that's, the empty. that's Yeah, that's what the Klingons did. They're like, they, they found it. In that, they blew it and go, oh, by the way, there's some debris over there. You need to go look at it. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> also, Data's skinny. Holy crap. It won't last. And his hair is slightly too long in season two, which irritates me. Agreed. It says yeah, no. bordering on, like, business mullet. <laughs> business mullet. <laughs> well, you know. Business in the front, business in the back. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> business on the sides <laughs> business in my pants oh, we'll get to the business later on with <laughs> yes we will <laughs> <laughs> alright so while they're contemplating there's wrong metal out here what's going on but down on the nasty plant they find a hotel 
Oh my God, you were just, you were skipping. This is going to be the fastest fucking episode ever. Boring. Let's get to the Royale. <laughs> and then they beam up. Okay, we're done. <laughs> I'm a bitch. Hey, Mickey. <laughs> Fuck you. I'm driving this car and the pedal is to the metal. I, I'm, I'm on board. I'm, I'm holding on for dear life. Yeah, you know how he drives. Uh, so this creeped me the shit out when I was a kid. The storm clouds up above, and there's this weird blackness all around them. Well, now who's <laughs> skipping oh. ahead? <laughs> you get right past Ryan's great uh, O'Brien's great line of having to deal with an extremely narrow access point. <laughs> <laughs> Which you know he's engaged to Keiko, so that makes sense. <laughs> Asians have small vaginas. I was thinking because she's a tight ass. Oh, okay. You're racist. <laughs> No, I'm just very specific about the porn I like. Also, All right, so this uh, building out here in the middle of this nasty planet has got a pocket of breathable air, and it's uninhabited, but there's a structure there. Mysterious. But it seems safe, right, guys? Oh, sure. yeah. Let's just beam down. No spacesuits. Let's send Riker, Data, and Worf down there. Well, the data, will, data will be fine no matter what, right? Probably. Okay, I have several issues on the close-ups on Riker. I, I hate to pause it here. Uh, his hair looks stupid, his beard sucks, and he's got chest hair poking out the top of his uniform, and it's bugging me. I, I think that's why they raised the collars in season three. Yes, his pelt kept peeking through. <laughs> yes, his hair's all dumb-looking, and his beard's not all there. He just looks weird. It looks weird. Of course, then Picard had to get his nightgown, which just ruined all of that, so... <laughs> God, what the fuck is that? <laughs> I want something that barely covers my balls and exposes all of my cleavage. <laughs> you sure about that, Patrick? Yes. <laughs> Look, he, he's a very confident man. Yeah, knowing him in, in real life, he'd be totally fine with it. He probably brought that from home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ian McKellen offered, you know, got it to him as a gift. <laughs> Alright, so they beam down to the shittiest soundstage I have ever seen. <laughs> well, we can't really say that for sure since, like, none of it's lit. Oh, yeah, they can't yeah, afford lighting. Yeah, there's nothing lit about any of this. All we know is that uh, <laughs> where they're at, uh, the Beb monsters are three times as powerful as normal. They're red? Sure, but also they're in the coup space. Ah, Okay. I'm going to go ahead and let you guys handle those references. I'm going to stand back and wait till they're, till they're gone. All right, so here in this nothing sound stage, they find a revolving door, which I'm not quite clear if it's supposed to look like a revolving door to sit in the middle of an empty room, or if they're hoping they would look like a revolving door against a black building. It looks just like it's in the middle of nothing, and it's creepy as fuck. Right. It's stupid as fuck. It's not creepy. It's stupid as... Yeah, it's stupid as fuck. I'm... And usually you'd expect, fine, oh, there's a quarry on the other side of that. No, what the, <laughs> no, um, I got this figured out. So, like, the revolving door is the whole structure. What this is, is a TARDIS. Yeah, yeah. And instead of a phone booth, it's taken the form of just a revolving door. Can I not go 30 seconds without Doctor Who being thrown in my face? Listen, this is, <laughs> this is possibly the first Doctor Who reference I've thrown on this show in however many years, so, you know. Right, right. And considering how the rest of the episode goes, I mean, this isn't the first iteration of the TARDIS. I think this is a re-TARDIS. Oh. 
it's the TARDIS's dumber cousin. <laughs> but he's the doctor to make it go. <laughs> <laughs> it's the babe star of TARDISes. <laughs> well, so they're on a mysterious, nasty planet with a mysterious door and a mysterious nasty. bubble of breathable air. And it's not a billion degrees below absolute zero. Even though the whole thing they said is sitting on a plane of frozen methane. Right. Which seems very safe. <laughs> well, if it's frozen solid, it's denser than rock, so sure. As long as you don't light a match, it should be fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, let's go inside. Which, if this was a D&D adventure, they'd be like, you just go inside just to get the things rolling. Right, right. Stop trying to check around the door for traps. Just go, go. There's nothing there. No, literally, there's nothing there. Just black. <laughs> there's nothing around the door at all. Yes. <laughs> all right, so they go through the door. They enter the Royale. The best hotel that was not being occupied at the time. Okay, question. It's, no, this, is, this I, is a set. They built this. It's a set. You can tell it's a set later with the elevator that is absolutely in no way, shape, or form an elevator. So uh, I, my question is, in watching this, I'm trying to figure out what time period the Royale was set in. Because 1987. Like the... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the Royale itself. Because some of the people, if they're dressed like in 70s clothes, some are in 60s. It, 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 okay. It, the clearest indication of what decade this taking place in is when the villain shows up. Because right. he is straight out of Miami fucking Vice. Everything else in there could be explained away as dated fashion choices or costuming for the hotel. Well, I was going to say that when the villain shows up, like he's wearing a or, zoot suit. Or in the case, shitty writing on the case of the uh, book author. Well, obviously that, but I mean, <laughs> we're not here for easy answers, Fort Max. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. <laughs> I'm here for your mom, because she's easy. Yeah. But no, yeah, All the right. villain, he, he looks like he walked out of a 1940s Zoot Club or something. No, no, he's he's Miami Vice to the nines. I mean, there I is, mean the hair, the white suit. It's it's the suspenders. It's totally nineteen eighties. The Parker Lewis shirt. Really? Well, you can't lose like... with that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now let's see who's got the overlap of people who would li listen to this podcast and who would get that joke. <laughs> I think they're on so the there's podcast. me and Mickey. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. Okay, uh, also, so, and me but, somehow. <laughs> good job, Fort Max. <laughs> but but in that I have heard of that title before. Oh, <laughs> close enough. Here and recommend that you check the show out. It's weird. It, it's experimental in ways that shows weren't back then, and right. it's actually genuinely funny still for the most part. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a good weird, and it holds up because of that. Like, uh, there's like a, a, a the principal's toady character, you know, the, the sort of the goth guy that acts as her little right-hand man. And one scene, he just fucking beams in behind Parker with a special effect and everything. <laughs> I mean, and it's never explained. I mean, there's no reason to try to explain that stuff, which, is, which makes it awesome. Right, yeah. right, the show does not give a shit for details. Ooh. It does what it needs to do for the purpose of being entertaining. It will regularly break the laws of physics for a gag. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so one thing about about the Royale, like on the front desk, it, there's a giant CRT monitor. 
So maybe it's got to be 80s? Of course it's, it's I 80s. told you it was the 80s. So Why aren't you listening to me? <laughs> you guys hear that weird buzzing noise? <laughs> no, Mickey's not doing Mickey synth this week. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, we haven't had the we haven't had the Mac buzz in years, sadly. Yeah. Okay, so they walk into the Royale and they lose all contact with the Enterprise, and the Enterprise notices that they've lost contact with them. Uh, Data seems alarmed by this. Riker's like, "Fuck it, we're at a casino. Let's explore." Well, okay, so here's the thing: like on the Enterprise, Picard gives the order, "Okay, lock on and beam them up." There's nothing to lock on to. Okay, flash on the surface. Data says, "We've lost contact." Proper procedure would be to beam up immediately. How are you going to beam up when you have no contact data? Like, just, well, just ever... think about that for a second. No communication. Well, you, gotta return to the, you have to return to the beam, beam down point. Okay, and, you he know, didn't when... say that, though. And, like, that may be the intent. Can... It's just, like, communicate in the most improper way possible. Yeah. Or and and, and like Riker shuts him down, enough. too. Riker yeah. goes... Nah, we're not gonna follow procedure. Let's just wander around a little bit. We're fine, <laughs> dude. I get fifteen minutes away from Picard. You better believe I'm gonna take it. So they saunter on over to the check-in desk and meet the what are the fuck those guys are called behind Flirt. the guns here? Yes, he's not the guns here. I love the face. Yes, <laughs> hello. Welcome to the Royale. I think this guy <laughs> appeared in episodes of Square One TV. I love this guy. This guy is so funny. He's got shoes and scenery so hard. I love it. And Riker's straight up, hi, we're from space? <laughs> yeah. I... So funny. <laughs> oh, but here's where it starts getting fun. Right in the middle of this dumbass conversation Riker's having, they're interrupted by a scene <laughs> where the bellhop like, walks in and it's like, I gotta talk to her. No, you're not talking to her, kid. To the point where he like looks down and looks for his mark on the ground. I mean, you know, <laughs> you see his eyes shifting off to the side, looking at his cue cards. Mickey D's not going to allow you to date that whore. It's like going to kill you with a heart attack before you're 30. Right. Yeah. Badass in this story. Yeah. <laughs> the acting is fantastic. Um, I can't tell if they're intentionally per- acting badly or if they're just naturally acting badly. No, no. I think way, it's it. so perfect. No, no, they're trying to, because that's the whole point is it's such a shitty like novel but and it's just poorly written character. actually good enough to, to fake being bad, or are they actually just bad? I, I mean, like yeah, think... They could have cast with this in mind. Yeah, yeah, I think they're good enough to be bad. I, they're fully aware of what they're doing. I, that's why I love it. So, uh... They get their room keys and a handful of chips because, you know, the first one's free. Mm-hmm. Uh, Worf helpfully jumps in with, how did you fucking get here? What the fuck are you? And the desk yeah. clerk is like, um, my personal business is none of your business, so fuck off. <laughs> yeah. I also like the, what do you call this planet exchange? Yeah. Earth? <laughs> what do you call it? Theta something eight. Five, seven? That's nice. <laughs> Bless your heart. <laughs> I know, yeah, this character is just so fucking good. Money. You know, I want, I want to see the doctor in this artificial life form hang out together. God, can you imagine? And like, they also kind of, there was a good bit of uh, writing just in the one drop of dialogue. Like, they established that the assistant manager there assumes they're foreign visitors. So like anything weird they say just gets hand waved away with that. Right. Right. 
Yeah, I, I do. I do like everything kind of tied together. Yeah, you know, at least the episode. Uh, also, one thing about this episode too, but I, I, it's weird that second season, but Data makes the funniest faces in this episode. <laughs> Data is adorable in this episode. <laughs> he is. He's all mugging for the camera and shit. Yeah, he's adorable. He, he's full on android child. Yes. Well, that's the best Data. Actually, I like weird off-putting alien Data. Like ah, the but, one we just but, watched but, with but, eight, but android child and off-putting alien are just so close together. Yeah, it's a subtle distinction, but it's there. Literally says one makes you go, aw. The other makes you go, uh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, they walk around the floor a little bit, and Dad notices that, hey, none of these people are actually here or alive. And what, Riker which, and Worf look stunned by this. Like, holy shit. They're not if actually humans? prepared us for a convincing illusion of life. <laughs> yeah, that's well, what's funny. see, this one, this one doesn't try to kill them. <laughs> Yeah, that is the funny thing to me is like they're surprised that this th these aren't just a room full of humans gambling like in a hotel that like the fact <laughs> that that's not true is the weird part. It's like we thought they were just people having a good time on this like, planet. They like, are they are in a what? period hotel. Right. That that's the hard part to believe. You know, fuck you guys, you idiots. <laughs> like if they were like if they were in a current day hotel for them. Okay, sure, but a period piece? Come on. It's it's either one of two options. Either it's a holodeck simulation, or the entire planet is like that. And they know the entire planet is not like that. Wow, they haven't been to the whole planet yet. <laughs> I heard the South Side's nice this time of year. Yeah, uh, they, they they know the entire planet isn't in a small pocket of breathable air on this otherwise uh, below absolute zero planet. Well, they don't know what the far side of the planet looks like. Maybe it's very temperate over there. Yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, it's it's summer in the southern hemisphere. Yeah. Like, they just entered orbit where the debris wasn't assumed. <laughs> yeah, Jordy was doing the scanning. Maybe this is well, just like, you know, the, the mountain resort area of this planet. That's why it's so cold. That would also explain why there's a casino there. See, it's perfect. Perfect logic. I should be a well, Vulcan. While the boys are discussing how nobody here has DNA, we, we get the best character in the episode just uh, wander to the scene. Texan. Texas. Texan. He's from Lubbock. He is. And Amazingly, he, he does. He doesn't have a cloud of dust following him all, all around. <laughs> that would have like, been a great like, visual, though. Like, like you do. I mean, no, I'm not from Lubbock. Oh, now we're getting specific. I see. local jokes. Yeah. Shout out to everybody listening in Texas. <laughs> Woo! How see, when you can see mom. all the when you see all these dust clouds on the horizon. That's Lubbock. Only I know about Lubbock because that's where the blob is from. X-Men blob, <laughs> not movie blob. So, okay, so uh, he basically uh, wanders through the scene to say, Data, don't say that about people. You sound like a bitch. <laughs> now it's time to get down to bidness. <laughs> to what Data says. Time. What kind of bidness do you think he's getting down to? <laughs> Data's going to find out. <laughs> Yeah, it probably involves a redhead, I'll tell you that. 
<laughs> I love how Rucker smirks about it too. Uh, one thing I gotta say uh, is the ship shots look terrible. In this. <laughs> they're really boring. No, I mean they, they they look like they're like a flat picture. They slid across the screen like on on celluloid. It looks terrible. And it's the same shot. Yes. yes. All the time, just slightly different cuts of it. Right. It's like I you. It's like pretty much as the episode goes on. They're taking a slightly later chunk of the shot. It's terrible. Terrible. Well, back up on the ship. Uh, they're working to get reestablished contact. And Picard is worried because Riker hasn't checked in. And Troy's like, no, don't be worried. He's having a blast. <laughs> so, Fort Max, I understand that Jordy was investigating alternate encoding schemes. Do you have any thoughts on uh, this procedure? Um, not really. I pretty much use this. I pretty much use the same chunk of three settings, depending on what type of source I'm uh, encoding from. What about when you're dealing with upscales? This is the weirdest punchline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of feel like we're we're going around the planet to get this one, but okay. <laughs> I try not to go around a planet. Dealing with upscales. Oh, okay. Yeah, there is nothing upscale you deal with, especially in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so Data wanders over to the blackjack table where Texas is at with his gullible whore. And I can say that because she's probably going to put out for money at some point with this guy. Well, I mean, don't they all? And she's point. dressed like she's visiting us. Or salon. less put out, or maybe less put out for money more put out for a place to crash when she runs out of money. Kind of the same thing. Yeah. I mean, she's exchanging services for goods and services. So. <laughs> it's the barter system, really. Uh, so, uh, Texas and her are playing uh, Blackjack badly. Uh, and then Data basically shows them how it's done by ridiculously getting five cards and winning. Yeah, that was fucking crazy. Yeah, that like was a fucking two, bullshit. You had a two and a five. I mean, it's possible, but damn. Like, I don't care how logical data is. I mean, he shouldn't he, be able to like, know precisely what was going on there. I think right. if they unless, he, waste, unless he was cheating. I think if they hadn't wasted as much time as they did on the ship and then outside before going in, they could have thrown in an extra hand or two for data to get the feel of it. Because, like, he ought to have lost on the first hand. Yeah. I mean, yeah, see, Data's, like, all raising his eyebrows and smirking and mugging for the camera. Because, yeah, oh. the entire point of court counting is not, okay, you're winning on a single hand, it's you're winning over more than you're losing overall. Yeah. yeah. Right. Which is what all gambling is. Well, it's, yeah, it's... Ideally... <laughs> But in practice, it's the other way around. Yeah. Yeah, no, card counting specifically is just the practice of consistent betting based on the cards that are shown in order to achieve the end of winning more than you lose. Which, that's definitely something Data could do, but again, you need more time to build that up. Yeah, not on the first hand. All right, back in the ship... uh... They're busy doing boring things. Oh, although, although, Data did cut those cards, he could have cheated. He could have, yes. Uh, 
Jordy's doing aggressive calculations against the bubble and phasers, and they're trying to solve the problem. Yeah, they this, want to have penetration is... as possible. Oh my God, who cares? Yeah, yeah. Well, no, for Jordy, penetration isn't possible. Yeah, trying to modulate frequencies and stuff. This is clearly just a writing thing. It's like, okay, we need to make it sound like they're doing something to talk to them, and we need to, like, stretch it out. In any case, Jordy's channeling his inner Scotty, you know, trying to figure out how to use phasers to solve the problem. (laughs) (laughs) And Wesley's over just hanging around right over his shoulder the entire time. I'm helping! Breathing nasally. (laughs) Alright, so back in the A-plot on the, the planet... Record sides, all right, I've seen enough, let's leave. Well, so you've lost the tips. <laughs> they, they head to the revolving door, step in, and forget to get out, <laughs> and then end up back inside the Royale, and are utterly baffled by it. it this, would have, this scene would have worked much better if it wasn't obviously they were just going around in a full circle, but instead it managed to cut it so that once, so that, like, they came out a essentially the a quarter of the door ahead of where they should have been. Yeah, that would have been really complicated to do, I think, with three of them going yeah. through the door. And I think well, actually, a simpler way to do it was just to cut it and then have it look like they were exiting into the room rather than staying in it. Yeah, I remember bringing a kid and it looking a lot more convincing. I was watching it, you know, the other night and going, well, that's just stupid looking. I, I seem to remember it looking a lot more convincing when I was a kid. <laughs> I just need to cut and move the camera to the other side of the door or something. Right. And that would have helped. Again, I think the problem is that there's three of them that have to go through the door together. Because, by yeah. the time, like, in order to do that, you have to have one of them make almost a full revolution by the time the last one goes through. There's not really a way to cut that. Unless you right. had them specifically try to stay to the left of the door uh, coming in to the right going out. Well, what I'm saying is, if we try to accelerate the exit relative to entry, like, oh Data or Worf would still be standing there by the time the second one is in the door True. and the first one's uh, come back out. Yeah, thank God there weren't uh, four of them down there. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I think there's no way to really cut that to make it look True. faster, just because you'd have one coming in before the last one leaves. Now, they, they could only really works with a revolving door. They had, like, sliding doors. This would make no sense at all. Right. <laughs> they now, they, they, they could have stuck around outside just a little while before coming back in. They could have staged it where one of them walks through and disappears through before the second one enters and pops back out, like, not have all three of them leave at once. Like, that would have demonstrated the concept, yeah. too. Yeah. And be easier to actually make work. So I think we've pissed Scott off enough that he's actually got up and walked away. So we should probably go on with the episode. Okay, I'm back. All right. What'd I miss? Well, oh, uh, me and Fort Max are door. still debating how to uh, make the door thing work. Oh, time to go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so they're going to go explore and just talk to these people here and try to figure out how to get out of this place. Because sure, that's going to work. And this is the most realistic uh, actual interactions they've had this entire episode so far. <laughs> I actually love to talk to the slot machine woman, and she's like, nope, not giving it to you. I'm slotting. <laughs> she's a slot whore. <laughs> There'll be so many slots. <laughs> Here's some sloppy slots right here. Uh, 
I love how what Worf chooses to do is he wants to move one piece of furniture and randomly start pushing against a wall. <laughs> yeah. Does he exit yeah. in here? Yeah, was, he like, was he checking for secret doors? What the fuck was this? <laughs> oh, fuck a one. Look, Worf's not a people person. He knows the best use of his time is just to go and commit violence against something. <laughs> Random objects and surfaces. <laughs> I do think it's cool though that like they shoot it with a phaser and then they jack up the power and it's like noticeably more powerful when they shoot it the second time. I just like that little detail, the, yeah. the phaser being being like clearly Brighter, larger. Yeah. Also, is that Dove brand phaser they're using? Hmm? They look like bars of soap. That's the Dustbuster phaser we were talking about last week or the week before. Yeah, I'm glad to actually see them. So, you know, I, I at least know what they look like now. Yeah, Dustbusters. I didn't. Now, though, these are the ones that they changed because it was kind of hard for the actors to tell how to actually point it at something. Yeah, so, like, the original prop for the Type 2 phaser was just basically a straight line from handle to tip. So, a lot of time, the actors were holding them kind of at a 45-degree angle. Now, they can <laughs> yeah. compensate for that in special effects, but it also looks really stupid. So as Star Trek went on, the handle got more and more curved down to make it more natural to aim straight. Yeah, like a, you know, pistol. Yeah. Uh, so the 1993 Playmates Type 2 phaser has a slightly uh, angled handle. The Insurrection model from, what would that be, 97, 98, um, has a handle that's uh, tilted down considerably further. So, like, that is actually reflected in the toys as uh, they came out over the years, too. Hmm. Well, they've realized that they're trapped here, so they're just going to try and gather some more information. And they stumble across uh, the bellhop and the assistant manager having another scene in the middle yeah. of the <laughs> casino. Is this, is this yeah, before and I also they've, the learned, they've also learned that this place has no emergency exits. Yeah, that <laughs> seems like some kind of a violation of safety codes. It's yeah, fine. They built it in Britain. Oh, okay. <laughs> they're, on, they're on the ground floor, not the first floor. Okay. So uh, they finished having their little cheesy scene, and Riker grabs his manager. Hey, how do we get out of here? Where's the other exits? All the exits are clearly marked, sir. That's not good enough. Oop, I gotta go. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> no, he said. No, he said the best thing. Like, if you have a complaint about the service you've received, feel free to take it up with the manager. Okay, I'd like to see the manager. I'm sorry, the manager's a very busy person. And then he fucks off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guess it was Scott's doorbell we heard. Scott had a doorbell? I heard a chiming sound, and then Scott just, you know, said BRB in the Skype chat. Oh, oh okay. I'm giving the blow-by-blow blow for our listeners who are not privy to <laughs> all the details of the things that go on, unless we say them. They need Scott's blow-by-blow. Well, this is a good chance to like refresh myself with the episode here. Yes. And good chance for me to go get some water. See, the great thing is, like, everybody's leaving and we're kind of taking a break here, but I'm not editing any of this out of the show. Well, that's on you. No, actually, it's on the podcast. Is that a paladin joke? If so, it wasn't intentional. 
I am marking this down in the editing notes, though, just so I can go around it and not delete any of the silence that results from this. From what? What? Was that your doorbell? Yeah, that was my fucking doorbell. Who was at the door? Uh, This kind of handyman guy, gardener guy that we had to trim our tree. Guy gardener? <laughs> yes. He trimmed your bush? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he used a weed whacker. Long story, but he's here to finish up some stuff, but unannounced. But anyway, I'm fine with it. You know, I'm just recording a podcast. It's fine. So it's fine. I, I'm guessing the green, that Green Lantern jig didn't work out. Uh, no, I don't think. You know, it definitely didn't work out. Okay, so about this time, Picard dials down to Riker. And it's just sort of what they're tra- talking. And the Picard response is, why the hell are you still down there? Get the fuck back up here. We can't. That's oh. why we're still down here. That would explain why we can't beam you out. <laughs> There's this weird door that goes in a circle and we can't figure out how to get out of it. <laughs> There's walls just, Worf like, can't break through. We we don't know what to do, Captain. Yeah, we try shooting things and then and then asking three questions and we're just out of ideas. <laughs> We asked one person, how do we get out of here? They didn't have an answer, so we're just fucked for life. You know, you I know, know the I know the resolution to this plot kind of requires Data to be there. At the same time, I kind of wish this away team was just Riker and Worf, because it would be so <laughs> much funnier. <laughs> yes. However, we wouldn't have the interaction between Data and Texan. I know, yeah, like I said, I know Data is necessary for the plot as it exists, but just... The idea of sending the two stupidest members of the bridge crew down there to solve a puzzle. Oh, <laughs> All right, so Data oh. turns his tricorder and points it up a floor and finds something interesting. There's human DNA here. Actually, he finds it like 12 floors up. Yes. Well, to which point Riker goes, oops, sorry, I thought these were holograms. <laughs> After he just said there's no n- nobody here has any DNA, he, he aims the front quarter up, up a yeah. floor or two or twelve or whatever. Because apparently tricorders only working, you know, the X Y axis. Yes. Yeah, that's that's how Kirk beat Khan. You know, sensors only go out in a two dimensional plane. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, they had no sensors in the nebula. Right. Sure. Khan was just stupid. Yeah. Khan was inexperienced in the tactics of space battle, being that he'd never battled in space before. I mean, he had the superior intellect and chest, but... <laughs> that, that was a prosthetic. Yeah, it was better than Kirk's. Yes, Kirk needed a prosthetic. Unfortunately, he focused all his prosthetic energy on hair. Prosthetic energy? <laughs> Something for, like, Dragon Ball? <laughs> Focusing his prosthetic energy! <laughs> That's what Piccolo does when he grows new arms. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So this human DNA is up. So they decide to go to the turbo lift. (laughs) At which point I realized turbo lift is really just British for fast elevator. Yes. Yes. Because they just call it a lift. And this is the most obviously not an elevator elevator. Tell us why, Fort Max. Let's see. The skinny doors that are, like, barely an inch thick. Uh, Oh, and the fact that the carpet's completely unbroken. 
<laughs> oh wait, okay, I gotta reverse this. <laughs> oh my god, you're right. <laughs> Pay no attention to the man behind the carpet. <laughs> like you can see the elevator carpet peeking out in front of the sticking out in front of the doors when it's closed. Yes. Oh, you're so right. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> this episode is a, dre- a treasure. It really is. Weird fucking episode. <laughs> this episode's a treasure, and it's just all in the small details. <laughs> Alright, so they head up to the hotel room where they've got the human DNA. And apparently, this human corpse has been pulling like a, a Ferris Bueller gag for like hundreds of years. Where he's just been hiding out the pillows. I'm sick! I can't come to work! <laughs> a recording of himself snoring has been playing for 280 <laughs> years. Housekeeping! Housekeeping! Oh, you're sleeping! I'll come back later! <laughs> you want towels? Towels, okay. So, the one thing I love is that nobody in this away team here has any reaction whatsoever to finding the Crypt Keeper behind it, beneath a, a comforter. Uh, yeah, I, as a kid, I was like, ah! If this was a horror movie, this would be like the most terrifying scene in the entire movie for them. Uh, yeah. Or, you Nothing know. scarier than finding a dead body. Not the, the exploding maniac, it's the body that scares you. But they've been serving right. on a ship with Pulaski for six months, so... <laughs> <laughs> they should be used to looking at decaying bodies. Yeah. Oh my god. Talking skulls. <laughs> Jesus. So Worf, being the fashion mogul he is, goes, well, I'll go check the closet, see if there's anything fabulous in here. And they find his spacesuit, which is ribbed for his pleasure. Uh yeah. So but Riker knows ancient American history and knows that it had fifty two stars between twenty thirty three and twenty seventy nine. But he doesn't know math. <laughs> yeah, he's never heard of Fermat's last theorem. Um, also, okay, okay. So, uh, first contact day that was twenty sixty three, correct? Uh, no, it was uh, twenty one, wasn't it? No, no, no it was twenty sixty three. Oh, okay. It was just right after the end of World War Three. So they were still using this stuff in twenty seventy nine. Eh. NASA existed after World War Three. I don't know. Well, he's not saying that necessarily, just the time period that the uh, 52-star flag comes from. Yeah, but he also knows this is guys from NASA, and it's a space suit that's official. So, I mean, it would have to come before World War III. Maybe it wasn't actually from NASA. Maybe it was just like retro styling, a bumper sticker. Yeah. Or a surplus. Yeah. Leftover NASA factory seconds. Well, no, it, it was just the, the guy who built the spaceship, John NASA. He just signed his name to it. <laughs> what a bland signature. Yeah, it's just, yeah, I put your last name on stuff. Yeah, man, that's like called NASA and Power Rangers. Nasada. That's right. Oh, Jesus. And that's more because that's what they called the uh, not Japanese space agency Omega Ranger because yeah. it was on the side of the shuttle. Wasn't there initially like NASA's like copyright or something you can't actually use it in shows? I don't know. I know you. It's can't a government agency, it, so I think we call that there's issues sometimes. Like uh, Astro Train couldn't have NASA on them for some reason. 
Maybe because it was made in a different country? Maybe if it was an American tour, they could have? I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. Yeah. Specific. I, I oh. recall hearing something that there's issues about using NASA some Well, ways. okay, like on but, the toy, that would be like a commercial thing, but that mm. wouldn't necessarily translate over into a show. Yeah. And, and I know you can't use the, the actual presidential seal on TV shows and stuff. It's got to be different so no one can actually be confused. I know you're not allowed to do that. Also, but, you have to oh, have that's... fake money on TV because insurers won't let you have real money. Yeah. Well, the insurers they won't ever let me have any money. I like how Riker's so pissed when he finally gets contact from the Enterprise. He's like, fucking finally, God. <laughs> I like how uh, Worf decides that I need to find the Gideon's Bible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, he, he immediately walks over and goes, uh, <laughs> I guess he's looking Let's for... Let's see, Gideon's Bible, Book of Mormon... Oh, television remote bolted to the inside of the drawer where it can't see out. <laughs> uh, Maybe it's oh, one of those like... fancy RF remote controls and it doesn't need a line of sight. So they find the book, uh, Hotel Or it's Royale. one of those funky ones that has a cable, con- that has a wired connection to the uh, TV. Well, this was the 80s. That's possible. Hmm. Well, I, yeah. del- I do have a Laserdisc player that has a remote that can work like that. Despite also having the IR uh, beam. Why? <laughs> well, you need to have a secondary backup. <laughs> In case your IR beam and your front buttons on the, the laser player go out, you've got that secondary backup of the cord. Have I heard All right, the so they find the novel case. Hotel Royale in the nightstand uh, next to the lube, I assume. And uh, Riker says, here, Data, read this. Tell me what's in it. So he goes, he Johnny fives it. Well, not because Data's faster at reading. It's because Riker doesn't like reading. <laughs> it's too much like math. Or math. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the option was either Worf or Data. And, well. Yeah. Worf just we'll, books. But what we don't see is Data rolling his eyes as he's reading it. <laughs> Worf has not eaten any good books lately. So originally scripted for the scene, or I guess the the subsequent shot where Data's actually talking about the book, he actually did critique it. The <laughs> writing the writing was elementary. The uh, the plot predictable. The characters one dimensional. That kind of thing. Cutting commentary on the episode itself. <laughs> now, what I want to know is so meta. how how come how is this book is how old? Couple hundred years. Okay, how how is the uh, paper just not uh, flake, just not disintegrating into little tiny flakes? They kind of exactly the same way that body is still held up the way it has because it's a sterile environment. Which isn't going to keep the acidic paper from destroying itself. Now, I I will not, I won't like say that they got the science exactly right, but I will say they at least made an effort to explain why there is still physical remains, including the book. Like, it may not work entirely for real, but they tried. Okay, one possible solution is that this is not the original book. Whatever thing keeps this hotel on a loop replaces the book as well. That's true. Mm-hmm. Gotta replicate the book. Actually, that makes, makes sense, sense, too, because uh, based on the diary entry, which I think we're just about to get to, mm-hmm. um, like, the original book probably is not around anymore and this is just a copy of it that they produced i don't know if the book is ever around they're usually rectangle oh quiet 
All right, so book number two they pull out of the drawer is The Astronaut's Diary. Well, there's one entry. There's one. Isn't that like a a romantic comedy or something? (laughs) Yeah. He used to talk to his dead girlfriend or something. I don't know. So this asshole uh, lived in this hell for 38 years of bad acting and bad writing. And buffet food. And the same show every night. It's it's like he was trapped in cats. <laughs> he lived his life in a rerun of a show he didn't even like. <laughs> oh yeah. my god. Imagine living out your life in the episode of the Brady Bunch where Brady Bunch where Marsha gets hit in the nose with the football. Except you're in the house with them. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Living out your yeah. life in that episode. Ugh. On repeat every day of your life. Forever and ever. Actually, like, you know, several times a day in your life, because the Brady Bunch is only, you know, 24 minutes. How did this guy not kill himself? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, you can only Groundhog Day so much. Yeah. And the thing is, at least Groundhog Day, he could do different things. He was stuck in that one town, but here, you can't change anything. People will just ignore you. Ugh. Nightmare. Mm-hmm. Not as bad as the one we're going to get to when we get back up to the ship, though. All right, so um, the captain gets good contact and says, "What's the what plans do you have? Well, we could slice the phaser beam down there. <laughs> Give us about 12 seconds of rescue before you're frozen into ammonia. Okay, so is this when they're talking to Pulaski? Is this where yes. we're at? Uh-huh. Okay, so Pul- Pulaski's idea is like, oh, well, we just pop the bubble, let them freeze to death, the cryogenic process be instantaneous. To which Riker's like, um, would you be able to revive us? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> to which Riker just kind of rolls his eyes like, oh, God, I'm going to slap that bitch when I get back up there. Picard gets a good <laughs> follow-up, though, where it's like, well, you know, we'll wait up here for months if we have to. We're just, <sighs> you know, tossing around some options. We'll, we'll wait till the hell gets so bad that being frozen alive instantaneously on a hell planet will be preferable to putting up with that bullshit any longer. God, then what? It, and Pulaski's just like, yeah, that's fine. You know, I might be able to revive you. I don't give a shit. I didn't take any fucking oaths to not harm or anything. I don't care. Data'll be fine. Probably. But look, my ancestors come from Brazil, which came from Germany, so I don't care about shit. You know, electronics do stop working when they get to a certain, you know, coldness. Or they start to become super like, conductive. Like below absolute zero. Yeah, that would yeah, probably be bad for electronics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you break the laws of physics, that'll tend to fuck things up. See, I think the reason they only have a 12-second survivability, even considering the cryogenic process, is that just after 12 seconds, they get so cold, they'll just shatter. <laughs> Shattered! <laughs> sex and sex and sex and sex look at me oh god I am not drunk enough for this wow could have fooled me <laughs> this episode's making me insane now, just imagine doing this every day for 37 years. I've been doing it every Monday for like two years. Same Suddenly shit. Suddenly the phone rings. To which Worf knows how to answer a phone? Okay, first of all, Worf doesn't know what the fuck it is, but it's making noise. <laughs> right. But then <laughs> he somehow immediately knows that that's something you pick up and hold next to your ear and speak into. Yeah. 
I think he's seen it. I think he's seen enough uh, hologram novels, or yeah. well, been dragged into enough hologram novels. Man, this is season two. He's barely like not eating dogs at this point. <laughs> it's just very strange because his immediate reaction is like, I don't know what the fuck this thing is. And then like he he's puzzling his way through it, but he gets it like right every step of the way. Yeah. See, I want the phone to ring and work just reflexively turn around and phaser it. Scow! <laughs> now, it wouldn't hurt the phone, because as we've established, nothing can be phasered here, but still. Right. Right. And so then we get Worf's weird dialogue. Like, it's kind of funny, but it's so forced and obviously a funny scene that it comes across as being really stilted. Yeah, it's uncomfortable is what it is. Do we want room service? Would would you like our room serviced? No. No, we wouldn't. And even Data gets it wrong. How can Data not know what room service is? They have Ryza. They have hotels in the future. Come on. This is just so weird. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're acting like they're aliens that don't exist in a society or something. I don't know. It's weird. And Data gets it wrong, too. He's like, oh, I think they're asking if they want to be clean. And the world goes, oh, she said the kitchen will be open for 24 hours. Or, okay. Well, the they... kids are like, 24 hours? What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> they have a Waffle House here in space. <laughs> we'll be open for 24 hours, and then we're closed after that. Right. <laughs> no, they're open for 24 hours, and then it resets. <laughs> Weird. Let's look at that shot of the Enterprise flying by again. Yeah. Oh. Oh, we we get a few more frames at the end this time. You. It's all fuzzy and flat looking and out of focus. Sucks. It's time for my favorite scene. Yes. (laughs) This is my favorite part of the whole episode. Where Picard and Troy start reading the novel together. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I love the first line. That is so funny, his reaction to it. That's. To me, that's gold. Absolutely, it was gold. a dark, yes. stormy night. Oh fuck! <laughs> yeah, just immediate. Oh god, he's like about to throw up. That is not a promising beginning. <laughs> yeah. Oh Jesus fucking Christ! <laughs> yeah, the literature snob that of that is Picard having to just look at this very pulpy, pulpy, pulp novel. All right, so back on the planet, uh, the gang decides to try and blend in. Yes, an android, a Klingon, and a guy in a onesie. All right. They're all in onesies, Scott. Yeah, but that's not the weird thing about the other two, though. (laughs) (laughs) And The weird thing about Rucker, he's a grown man with half a beard and a onesie. Yeah, actually, speaking of onesies, let's rewind way back to the end of the episode where we had O'Brien in the scene. Uh Uh-huh. Um, when him and Riker go up to pick up the chunk of metal, uh-huh. O'Brien is unfortunately framed, so you basically see like a fist sticking out of his crotch. <laughs> <laughs> like if you, you you follow his leg line up to his torso, hey, and it, there's a bulge sticking out there, interrupting hey, that leg line. Hey Mickey, that's called a potato sack. Thank you very much. <laughs> And I thank you to not to bring that part of, of Irish uh, <laughs> culture up. I'm saying generally with the, the uniforms, they're pretty careful to hide that. Use a gaff, whatever. Can't hide an Irishman's p- 
potato package, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> they missed that. <laughs> oh, I don't think they missed it. Anyway, so uh, back on track here. Uh, Data finds Texas and is trying to logic him into realizing that he's fake and like Texas ain't having it. Which is also a nightmarish thing. I've had nightmares before where I'm trying to convince people that they exist in my dreams and they're like arguing with me. It's terrifying. You're totally... you know about, Scott? Huh? You want to dream about? What? Almost buying toys. Not well, existential crises. <laughs> well, that's where we have subtle differences, my friend. Vicky, have you ever had a lucid dream? No. Scary, man. Okay, okay. Here's something important, guys. Oh, let me, guys. Hey, Vicky, uh, are your boy, toy buying really? dreams uh, you of uh, toys that have been ahead, that haven't been made fine. for years? That's yes. Important, but it's okay. And, and no, Scott, come on, Scott, toy Scott. <laughs> yes, they're about toys that haven't been made for years, uh-huh. and I get to look through all of them and almost choose which one I'm going to buy. Are you having my dreams? So, so you also dream about almost shopping? Yes. Some people get to dream about flying. So the one time I got to dream about flying, um, it was very Dilton. Me- I got my ass beat. It was a very like, it was came down to like the mechanics of the process. So like in the dream, I realized okay, I can exert a force from my body that will lift me off the ground, and I had to like keep, <laughs> I had to keep going through trial and error processes to find the right way to do that to actually like get lift and fly instead of just like. You know, kind of humble, throwing yourself at the ground. Like at one point, I was uh, exerting the force where basically it was like it was pulling me up by my pants. <laughs> <laughs> you wedged yourself in your dreams. Essentially, yes. <laughs> your dreams bully you. Yes, yes, they do. <laughs> Except for the odd occasion where I do have lucid dreams, I have very either like just uncomfortably weird or boring dreams. I couldn't have guessed. Yeah, I mean, not many people know that about me, but... Yeah, I don't think anyone would assume you had boring dreams at all. Yeah. So, Tex, (laughs) as he's talking to Data, he mentions that he's got a 91 Caddy with only 80,000 miles on it. Oh, well, there's your setting. Which means this is after 91, and it's only got 80,000 miles on it. So was this written, like, in the mid-21st century? Is this set in the mid-21st century? Because, you know, maybe it was a newly written novel that he took up into space. We hope hope not. (laughs) I mean, but, uh, evidence. It's at least after 91, and I assume it means 1991. No, it's an 1891 Cadillac. That's what I'm saying. It's an 1891 Cadillac. (laughs) With only 90,000 miles. That's impressive. (laughs) Or it's a 2091, so it's like time travel from the future. It's a DeLorean. Traveling backwards in time puts a lot of miles on. That's true. That's true. Even if you put it in reverse and do it backwards. And he's very fucking proud of his 80,000-mile 91 caddy. Now, I like to imagine that it's like the futuristic version like Logan had in, in the movie. Okay, anyway. All right, so Data wants to go visit this guy's car, and the guy's like, no, I've got 
tits right beside me here. Why would I go outside with you? And she's begging to be hit. How can you not say yes to that? <laughs> All right, so while Dana's concerning himself with Texas, um, it's time for another scene to start up. This is the climax scene. It is the climax uh, scene. Oh, oh, God. It's the deno of scenes. Yes. <laughs> so uh, in walks the owner. Or what the hell his name is, I don't care. That's Mickey uh, D. Yeah, Mickey D. Not the owner. The gangster. Yeah. Um, I mean, this isn't owner. This isn't actually Deno. Yeah. It's <laughs> it it's um be. it's notorious Lothario Mickey D. Lothario. That's how they <laughs> describe him in the book. Uh-huh. <laughs> what a great word. <laughs> <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> well, I always consider myself much more of a Lothargio. <laughs> I'm very lazy about it. Look at his pants, man. He got no cloth there to build a sail. Hey, Mickey D. (laughs) (laughs) So he's come to bring in the final scene of the plot where he murders the bellboy in front of everyone. Okay, so how smart can this guy be? He's wearing this giant coat. He doesn't know how to put his arms to the sleeves. And this is in Vegas. They say specifically the sets in Vegas. There's no reason to wear a coat like that in Vegas. Keeps the dust off. Uh, well, this is Vegas after the nuclear holocaust. <laughs> it's nuclear. Yeah, it's nuclear winter Vegas. Very cold. Yeah. <laughs> Never. Go ahead. All right, hey, Mickey, you're up. <laughs> I'm having technical difficulty. Hold on one second. Oh, okay. Wait. <laughs> Picard's making a boo-boo face. Yes. Okay. So uh, <laughs> back up to the bridge or the, the ready room. Picard is making the best face ever. <laughs> and Troy looks like she is ready to die. <laughs> she, she's stunned by how terrible this is. She's like, in, she can't comprehend how terrible this is. And I do love the fact that they're kind of listening to the audiobook version. They're listening over it, the open com link. Right, they're listening exactly. to the live performance. Yes, which I think is awesome. How it just how it just switch over. Oh, I love that. I also like how as this is going on, they just like casually mute the com link and have a conversation. <laughs> yes, yeah, like how Troy gets angry. Like I can't believe people talk like this. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 this is shit. <laughs> Nobody's ever talked like this ever. <laughs> I love the smug look in her face as she gets to leave too. This is the absolute look of agony and pain on Picard's face. As the toy leaves, there's a little swish in her hips as she wiggles her way out. Uh (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna get some ice cream. (laughs) Chocolate around and mix it in. I I sense distress from the other side of the door. suicidal thoughts. I'm thinking of airlocks and how to activate them from the inside. <laughs> oh well, fudge ice cream. Alright, so back to the planet. Lothario kills the bellhop. I think you're glossing over just how amazing the acting is in this scene. You're, you're really losing a lot of the nuance. No, that's pretty much it. <laughs> well, the acting is amazing, but there's really not much I can say to convey that. I like how Riker's like, no, no, I want to see this fucker get shot. 
<laughs> Let it happen. And I love the holographic bullets leave no holes or blood or anything. It's awesome. I mean, the only details they can recreate are what's in the book. Yeah. And the book doesn't describe, like, a hole or blood or anything. There's a bang, and he falls to the ground. Oh, okay. Now, there's a bang, and he's thrown back 15 or 20 feet. Yeah, and then he's shot in the back, yes. <laughs> it's a reverse magnetic bullet. So, like, Riker calls up the Enterprise, like, you ain't gonna believe the shit that just happened. Like, Picard's like, yeah, I just read it. It's on page 244. <laughs> oh, I, I do... Now, I do like the line that the that Mickey D has of like, you know, there's no woman worth dying for. There's a woman worth killing for, but not worth dying for. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, but that was a yeah. Oh, yeah, I'll kill for. I ain't going to die for, though, you dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. that. Yeah. That's good stuff. <laughs> Director's like, yeah, yeah, pretty much. I get it. I get I get I get it now. <laughs> so uh, if you got the book up there, how does it end? And Picard like thumbs through. Uh, somebody buys the hotel, then they leave. So three, Riker, uh, three, three foreign investors buy the hotel, uh, leave, and uh, it's run by the assistant manager. So Riker's inspired to ask the question in the first place because they watch Mickey D walk out the revolving door and not get thrown back in. And Picard explains. Right, it's written in the book. Mickey D leaves the hotel. So Riker gets the idea. Okay, we're gonna join the plot. <laughs> this book all about me now. <laughs> Twelve point five million United States dollars. This is the most Kirk plan. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Look at the look on fucking Riker's face. He's like, oh, he Jesus. is. He's Kirking. Oh, he's cooking hard. Look at him. He's even sucking in his gut, just like Kirk. And, you know, he needs uh, um, an application to fill in the rest of his beard. <laughs> so then, yeah. how are we going to get the money to buy a hotel? And a casino. How can we make money in a casino? Hmm. Data? Let's teach our robot to play craps. <laughs> So, so at this point, now it just turns into the plot of The Hangover. Which one? Uh, they're all the same. It doesn't matter. I asked already knowing the answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what they say? Only ask questions to which you already know the answer. There are no stupid questions. Yeah, there are. Are there? Are there, are there stupid questions? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, also, I love the sexual harassment that goes on here. Well, you Tex can't, is shoving his you can't big sexually, old man sausage fingers where they don't belong. You can't hey, sexually harass oil. someone who doesn't exist. <laughs> but well, it's okay, kill though, them, but they don't exist anymore. <laughs> we already established that it's bad writing, so it's okay for him to be an awful person. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so uh, Data shows up to play craps with Texas. Uh, and he realizes these dice suck. I should fix them. And then he supermans yeah. them into diamonds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so they're using sure. weighted dice? Okay. Yes, and Data can correct for that just by squeezing them a little bit. I think he rounds the edges that he doesn't want, you know, so it rolls over them easier. I don't know. Motherfucker, I don't know. Stop asking me shit. I don't recall talking to you at all, Scott. 
<laughs> Are you All right, sure? So yeah. the gambling goes on for a while. And it basically all boils down to um, Texas loses all of his money in the last hand. After Data told him not to do it, and he did it anyway. It's in the book, though. Yeah. Data is adorable in this, by the way. Oh, my God. He's got all the little hand things. He's all smarmy and shit because he's winning. No emotions, my ass. Baby needs a pair of shoes. (laughs) And then, oh, uh, the... uh, that oh these four investors are apparently very generous with uh handing out their money so rocker decides okay we don't need enough money by the hotel we need enough money to buy everything and everyone yes <laughs> including that little blonde over there who likes jazz no blondes and jazz don't mix something <laughs> 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 more sultry <laughs> I like how like the uh, the clerk guy, the front desk clerk, is all like annoyed by this. Why would he give a shit? Like, eventually, it turns into like sort of like an an eighties movie thing. Like we'd like to cash in our chips. You've broken the bank, sir. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take the hotel. And then Wooly Bully plays, and then off a party. Right. Robot house. <laughs> This is a badly written book because they're not really much of an investor if they're just buying the hotel with the hotel's own money. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's not really investing. That's like a hostile takeover. I think there's another word for it. Um, Bullshit. That's what it is. (laughs) That's right. So they bought the hotel. They fulfilled the prophecy. And they're allowed to walk out the front door. They fulfilled the prophecy as foretold <laughs> in the ancient scriptures of the royal. So back to the captain's ready room. Riker is checking in with him and saying, "You think we'll ever figure out what this is about?" No, I think we'll never bring it up again. Uh, yeah. Apparently, oh, everyone else saw that ship. It died a space plague. Yeah, they like they make this weird like alien like plot. Well, there's some alien life form got on board, infected some of the crew, took them over, but it was just trying to communicate. But one of them happened to survive, and then they made this as like because they felt guilty about it. There's a whole nightmare. There is cosmic horror all over this episode. And Picard's just like, eh, whatever, let's go. Let's go look at a nebula. Yeah. Terrifying. And I like the Royale. It is a weird <laughs> fucking dumb episode that sticks out like a sore thumb. But like Fermat's last theorem, it's a puzzle we may never solve except in 1994. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck's sake. Yeah, even the back sh- to watching Next Generation when it was on TV originally, the Royale is one of the episodes that sticks out in my head. Yeah, me too. Uh, that and the episode uh, in season one with the jungle planet with the little flying laser bots and Geordi separated the Enterprise for no reason. (laughs) Just want to see if it would work. (laughs) Not for no reason, just, you know. Well, but... Yeah, what a weird episode. So what do we want to watch next? Uh, I'm actually checking right now to make sure we don't have something set up already. We got something for next month, I think, but not. Uh, yeah, we got something we got for the something first for August, week. But not... We got something for the first week of August. 
but not anything for next week. Uh, I want to do pen pals at some point, but I don't want to do two season two next generations back to back. We need to right. We need uh, some. We need to spread that out and have some variety. Yeah. So we got TNG and Voyager. Do we want to go back to Enterprise? No. No, we don't want to go to Enterprise. <laughs> so DS9 then sounds like DS9 sounds good. But yeah. what will we do in DS9? What other bad episodes are in DS9? Wishes were horses. <laughs> Sold. <laughs> oh, okay. I gotta look. What's, okay, synopsis. O'Brien meets Rumpelstiltskin. Oh fuck me! That one. <laughs> that one. wait. Haven't we already? Have we done that one? No, no. I'm pretty sure I remember if we did. Oh my god, this one is so fuck. Yes, yes, this is perfect for us. <laughs> I think we called this a lot of fun too, though. Even though it's perfect. dumb. Perfect. <laughs> it's fun because it's dumb. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> I think it's also like one of the few high points of season one. Okay, I believe you will find this is uh, episode fifteen of season one on Netflix. Presuming Netflix presents what? Was it the season finale? No. Okay. Um, presuming Netflix has Emissary as a single episode, as it should. No, the uh, season finale of season one was in the hands of the prophets. That was episode twenty or nineteen, depending um, depending how you number it. Is that that sad Sarah McLaughlin song? Yeah. About dying targs. Uh huh. Yeah, this episode's gonna be good. <laughs> I have vague memories of this, and 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 thinking to myself while watching it, what the fuck is this? <laughs> I have I I have comments to make about Cisco's baseball hero that shows up in this episode. Oh, do we get to see Buck Bokai? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, the finest lead of the 21st century. As I said to Hey Mickey once upon watching this episode, well, makes sense why baseball died. <laughs> it's it's of a heart attack. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Yep, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> you may. <laughs> this is what peak performance looks like. You may not like it, but this. <laughs> Okay, so which Okuda is this? <laughs> <laughs> no, I believe the Okudas are taller and more fit. Well, this is when you combine them, like in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. <laughs> oh, God Almighty. <laughs> oh, his rookie year was in 2015. He was born in 98. That's disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Some considered him the only asset of the Kings that year. <laughs> oh, God. Not the, the Kings. Not the Sacramento Kings. Oh, London Kings. Okay. Uh -huh. All right. Because London, man, they love some American baseball in London. Let me tell you. It's almost as popular as hockey in Georgia. Yeah, this is going to be a good one. <laughs> Stupid. And apparently he played in Gotham City for a while. <laughs> yeah, that's a city of justice. <laughs> the city of love. With the Gotham City bats. Really? The Gotham City bats? Yeah. 
Motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> well, they actually have his Gotham stats here. They actually took the time to, in the year 2020 and 2021, they have his, his actual baseball stats while he was there. These guys' batting, ad- batting average is over three. Holy crap. You know, it seems to me they really could have cast this part better to make that more convincing. <laughs> Uh, no, this is back in the time right before steroids got really big, where you could be a baseball player and be kind of thick and chunky and not rip like a fucking roid head. At the same you time, you don't get people batting over three. Well, yeah. I mean, you expect them to have arms that aren't made out of fucking sushi rice. <laughs> oh, that's the whole thing. All those famous baseball records were broken during the steroid craze. Oh, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, he's born on Halloween Day in 98. Oh, God. Yeah. There's a trick-or-treat joke to be made here. Oh, it was definitely a trick. <laughs> so his parents thought, oh, shit. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, well. All right. Well, that was that was, that was was a strange and awful journey. <laughs> Thanks, all. No, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, you say so. These little forces. Mm. Yeah, gotta find a really bad Voyager episode after that. I bet you leave can't. the obvious joke alone. <laughs> <laughs> so just any of them at random, okay? Uh, we're probably not going to record on the thirty-first. Okay. So we don't need a Voyager episode after Deep Space Nine. Oh, so we can skip any... it. Go straight on to the next thing. Right. Yes. All right. So, uh, all right. Yeah, we got that. So, you guys seen the any of the new images from uh, Discovery? Uh, is there new images? Updated There's a ship. new image. Yes. Yeah, it's a poster, and it's got the ship on it, and the ship looks quite a bit different now. The Discovery itself, not the Shinzao, but the uh, the Discovery. Okay. See what we got here. It's a little yeah, bit more it, refined. Yeah, it's also stranger. So if I can find that image here, let's see. Oh, that's much better. Well, I mean, it's got like these weird concentric rings and shit now. It's, it's like, interesting. Like the, uh, like the vengeance. The nacelles are much longer. What? I'm fine with the, the, the gap in the saucer. That makes it a little bit unique. And multiple gaps. Well, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but what I'm really liking is they've refined the engineering hole where it looks more natural. Yeah, they put glowy bits on the sides, so they look like the, the sides of the warp nacelles. Um, yeah, they've done all kind of like crazy stuff. I can't find a good copy of the picture. I search Twitter for discovery. It's like the first thing that shows up. Yeah, Twitter's probably the best thing to do. Oh wait, I found it. Here we go. I found it. Da, 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 and then pasting it into here. Okay, there we go. So yeah, the nacelles are much longer. They got those little bumps at the end, so it looks like original series, which has got those little tuby things. Uh, it's got that glowing blue thing that's, on the side. Where... That split saucer makes it like, oh, you're going to have to walk a whole lot further to get anywhere. Right, right. But you have a lot more windows now. It still uh, makes so... more sense than the fucking Oberth. Yeah. Well, yes. Uh, but you notice that it's it's got it's got that one ring that's open, and then on the interior, the bridge module is its own little thing too. It's a little sphere. Oh, it's something. like a triple ring. It's a triple ring. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah, it's got a triple ring. I also, the de- 
Also, the deflector dish is a big spike sticking out of it. So the original Enterprise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it kind of yeah, has an homage back to that, where it has a little uh, that spire sticking out. Also, the tips of the uh, warp engines no longer have uh, the warp missiles no longer have Bussard collectors. They're just got these weird looking holes. The Bussard collectors are probably the uh, glowy bits on the side of the the. Uh... The yeah, the, the bizarre right. collectors on the original were the spinny bits, right? Correct, yeah. correct. It's the yeah, and the red part on Next Generation, yeah. It's the bulbs on the warp engine, right? So, and if you if you really if you get like a really high def version of the picture, you can see that you can actually see the phaser ball turrets around the the ring of the of the uh, saucer. Uh, I had some time today. I was looking. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, well, it's Scott, they, they you're a state employee. You have nothing but time. You know what? You're absolutely right. So, um, <laughs> that's a, that is exactly right. Yeah, yeah, there you go. A much better picture. Yeah, yeah, you can see the U.S. Discovery. You can see the phaser ball turrets from the side. Oh, and you notice that on the other side of the bridge module, it's got kind of a hexagon pattern of the, yeah. of the lights. Uh, so, it's either like a transporter emitter or a you know, planetary sensor emitter or something like that. Yeah, I dig so. this. Yeah, it's it's interesting, you know. Definitely different. Definitely different. Now, like that kind of there's a groove on the outside of the uh, of the saucer where it's like recessed a little bit. The sensor ring. No, it's yeah, a but it has, forward. Yeah, but it has windows. So yeah, but yeah, it's like a sensor mm. ring. Um Yeah, based on the window though, it looks like the saucer is only a couple decks high. Yeah, yeah, which is probably why they had to do the cutouts. You can put more windows and stuff in it. Fancy uh, is it some kind of luxury ship then? And Awful I don't even windows and crap. Right, right. Um, yeah, I, and I don't know if it can saucer separate. Maybe the whole top part comes off. I don't know. That's kind of advanced technology, Scott. Basically, well, the original Connie could do it too, but only in emergency situations. That, that yeah, that wasn't really uh, that wasn't really uh, you know separate and come back together later thing. That was uh, right. basically yeah. cut the ship in half. Right, well, no, you're right. Neck. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you just it just pops off, you know, under for emergencies. But yeah, maybe this can do the same thing, but maybe not. I don't know. Well, it's interesting. I can't wait to see what they do with it. Plus, I mean, we've seen a lot more of the Shenzhou than we have of the Discovery. That I mean, we've seen almost nothing of the ship that the fucking series is named after, and that kind of bugs me. I want to know more about the actual ship the whole thing's fucking named for. It'll show up in the last episode. That's what I'm thinking. And we finally made it. We got the MacGuffin, the Discovery. And it's going to be in that asteroid base. And they're going to go on board and that'll be it. <laughs> and then season two will be like them back in the shins. I was like, man, I can't believe the Discovery got destroyed off camera like that. <laughs> I heard there's another one on the other side of the galaxy if we can find it. Just like Delta Flyers. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so dumb. Uh, but uh, if you do notice, uh, like uh, near the upper pylon that connects the uh, inner ring and the uh, the next the central ring, there's a little eyebrow shape, like on the original TOS, like on the original Connie. So that could have landing gear. Who anyway. what now? Oh. <laughs> yeah, I didn't yeah, so, follow any of that. Okay, <laughs> so if you're looking at the the, the close up picture, yeah, uh -huh. see the strut that connects the outer ring to the inner ring. There's four of them, Scott. Yeah, the one that's at the at the top of the picture, though. Uh-huh. The one that's closest to us by perspective. Yes. You see there's that little triangle kind of above it? Uh-huh. That's just like on the original TOS. They had those little triangles on the underside of the saucer that were supposed to be landing gear. Oh, okay. 
at one time. So this this little ship has that same design element from the TOS conning, which I like, and it could mean it has landing gear there. But the the thing not. is, on the opposite side, it's a rectangle piece um, in the same position like a, relative to the uh, crossover bridge. Agreed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally right. So uh, I don't know if that's like a thruster so that, or actually okay. Yeah. So if you look at the uh, one on the um, on the bow part of the saucer, like uh-huh. there's a triangle there. So the triangles are at the like one o'clock and nine o'clock positions. Yep. They're at the four. Yeah. Or twelve o'clock and nine o'clock. Well, no, they're it's shaped like an X, not like a cross. In any case, well, look what look where it says USS Discovery. That'd be your center point. Yeah. Right. right. I yeah, think so there's some weird perspective in this art that's just throwing things off. Yeah. But uh, what a weird looking ship. I mean, so is this going to be like a, is this supposed to be like a mainline ship or is this supposed to be like an NX something or? Well, it's the USS, so. Watch it be like from the future. That's actually the thing I was thinking. I, I actually, that would, that's kind of my running theory. My disappointment from, is just that this is a prequel series because like, this looks like the perfect fusion of Federation and Klingon design ideas. This would be yep. perfect for a 25th century Star Trek series where the Klingons are officially Federation. Yep. Actually, that center bulb right there. Yeah. That's very bird of prey. Yeah, actually, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a like a D seven. It's like the yeah. uh, the underside of the, the nose part of a D seven. Yeah. Now, and uh, I completely agree that this looks like a twenty fifth century version of the Klingons and the Federation coming together and making a ship. This is exactly what the fuck it looks like. The color, the shapes, the design elements, everything. Even so, the um, like the. The two-tone paneling. The Azteking? Yeah. yeah, sure. Words. Yeah, that's Azteking. <laughs> Seriously, that's what that pattern's called. It's called Azteking. I mean, something about that just kind of says cling on to me also. Mm-hmm. If there's not some sort of time travel element in this series, I'm going to be absolutely shocked. It is a reliable there- old standby for Star Trek. It is. It is. I mean, and look at this thing. There's, this doesn't fit in any timeline. It doesn't even fit with the design element of the Shenzhou at all, which we have seen a, a good bit more of, which looks like fucking JJ verse. That's all the Shenzhou looks like. So I, I, I just don't know. I'm curious. It's, it's piqued my interest. Hopefully it'll be interesting. Hopefully. It's also convenient that they have that lens flare right in the right spot to uh, block the registry number. Like, yeah. All you can see is NCC, but you can't make out any of the actual I numbers. I think it's. Oh, oh well, yeah, no, I think they have. Just, I think they have revealed that. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, ten thirty-one. It's NCC ten thirty-one. Well, it kind of rules out being from the future, then, doesn't it? Maybe. Unless there's like a you know J after it or something. No. No, I mean maybe it's from the future and they rechristened it with a with a you know a, a contemporary number. Man, I don't know. I mean, who knows? I'm looking forward to it. I'm glad they they extended out the nacelles. You know, they're not like these weird blocky ones. And yeah, I like the, I like the changes. Basically, all the changes they made to it, I like. Yeah, they refined the design. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, but I, I still wonder though if this is like a hundred percent. This is it. No more changes. I mean, it's going to have to be soon because, you know, they're making the show. Oh, right, yeah. I think they've already done all the major filming, right? Um, well, yeah, this would all be post-process stuff. But if the show's going to start in September, they kind of need to be locking that in now. 
Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> so yeah. this, this is probably as close to final as we're going to see without it actually being on a TV screen. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, cool. All right. Well, I thought I'd just share that with you guys. Exciting. See what you thought. And I, like, I do. I like the grilling on the side, that 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 side of the warp missile grilling on the wing. Gives a little color, gives a little something. Because it looks like the uh, the uh, the A refit on the side of the nacelles. You know, that's when they started doing the, the glowing grills on the side. Oh, yeah. So it kind of harkens to that, too. So there's all kind of neat little elements in there that I like. I, I just like space ships. I just like space ships. That sure is a spaceship. It sure is. It's all shipping in space and stuff. Oh, okay. Well, I think I'm done. And I'm going to go have ice cream. Ice cream! Ice cream, Because yesterday was ice cream day, and the grocery store was selling cartons of ice cream for 99 cents each. So I bought many. Did you all get boring vanilla. flavors? Yes, all you did. vanilla. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking psychopaths. <laughs> but you see, there's many different kinds of vanilla, so while they're all vanilla, I didn't buy all the same flavor. You get French vanilla. And vanilla bean. And yep. the other vanilla. <laughs> Many different colors and textures and flavors of vanilla. And also yeah. strawberry. 